0: Can't hand you a business plan, but we can make you business wise. So sit back and learn
1: to make stacks
0: with the octopus of
1: enterprise. Hi, Diana here, and you find me at the deck, ready to provide even more opportunities and support to NTU students, staff, graduates, anyone with a great business idea in Nottinghamshire and beyond. Yes, it's the year 2023, a year that if you want it to be, can be full of new possibilities which got me thinking we are the only ones able to make things happen for ourselves and yet we do that thing don't we putting stuff off creating excuses and saying throwaway statements like I'll do that later or I'll do that next year well it's next year people and I want to help you get started on those business goals of yours so I got together with an expert on this kind of thing and this is what we had to say After having a bit of a break over Christmas, we're back! better than ever, and very excited to be recording an episode all about making things happen. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about taking that all-important leap of faith in business, whether that be starting one, growing one, or scaling one, or just in life. And who better to discuss this with than Robbie Swale, coach, author, podcaster, and advocate for, and inventor of, The 12-Minute Method something we'll get talking about later on in this episode. But firstly, welcome Robbie, welcome to the Octopus of Enterprise. How are you doing today? Doing
0: really good, thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling like, got a big smile on my face, I'm, I'm looking out over a frosty, sunny uh, West Midlands countryside view, so feeling really good.
1: Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's a bit of a glittery kind of uh, frostiness this morning yeah. when we're recording, which I like. I like a crisp day.
0: Me too absolutely. In a way my favourite days are crisp sunny days and we've recently moved out of London and so it's like this is really one of the first ones that we've seen like that so I'm really feeling really grateful to be in a more countryside setting for a day like
1: this. Wow. Okay. So big move out of the big smoke yeah. to the countryside of the West Midlands. That's right. Enjoying it, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we're recording this episode at a time when you're doing a challenge, and that challenge is appearing on a hundred podcasts in a year. So first of all, how's it going? How's it been? What number are we? I think ninety this is something.
0: Ninety-three. Yeah. We're
1: number 93
0: out of 100. So it's Ooh. going. <laughs> I was reminded of there's a psychologist or a mathematician or both called Douglas Hofstadter, and he has a thing called Hofstadter's Law, which is any task will expand to fill the time available, huh? even when you take into account Hofstadter's Law. So I'm really <laughs> aware that I'm going to hit. Like I'm probably if I'm going to hit 100, I'm going to hit it almost exactly in a year from the start of the task. So it's I think it's going to happen, which at times this year I really haven't thought was going to happen. I'm very grateful to people like you for letting me come onto your lovely shows. And part of the reason I did it is I've used challenges in my business like this before um, as a way really to put a focus on something which I want to do more of, but also that I might find difficult or avoid Normally, and what I found for me, it has to be just stretching enough, not too easy, and it has to be held seriously but not too seriously. Then what it does is it makes me get creative, it makes me ask for help, um, it makes me get out of my own way and do things that I would normally find excuses to not do. And so that has absolutely been true in this challenge, as it has in the other ones I've done in my business as well. Oh,
1: that's great, and uh, I suppose a great bit of advice straight off the bat about how to approach or start your business. Um, or get going with that great idea, which is, of course, like I said before, the topic of today's episode, that idea of no longer wanting to put that great idea off, actually making that start. But before we talk about taking those steps to begin, I just wanted to quickly spend a bit of time asking you why you think you maybe delay things in the first place.
0: Well, I mean, I think the, there's a way in which, and this is, a, this is an annoying answer, you know, <laughs> there's a way. In, there's a way in which, you know, the answers to that are different for many different people at different times. So from my experience, essentially coaching, you could talk about it as helping people doing the things that they want to do, but aren't doing by themselves. I mean, it's more than that, but it's also exactly that. And so so I work with hundreds of people to look at these things and and the answers are different, but there are a few themes that I've seen emerge. So one is distraction, essentially, Mm -hmm. like You know, and and you could look at that in a bunch of different ways. You can look at it as the technology around us that is designed by very clever people to be as distracting as possible. You know, sometimes it's distraction of other important things. Uh, One of the games I like to do with clients is get them to list, you know, 25 things that they might do in the year, then narrow it down to the top five. And this is a story from a Warren Buffett, maybe apocryphal tale. You know, he he gets one of his team to do this and then says, what are you going to do with the other 20 in this top 25? And the person says, I'm going to squeeze them in around the edges. And (laughs) Buffett says, no, they have to be the avoid at all costs list. Because the the thing that's most likely to distract you from the most important things are not things that aren't important. I mean, they are sometimes if it's, you know, getting lost on Facebook or whatever. But um, mostly it's the next most important things that will distract you from the most important things. So being really aware of what those are makes a lot of difference. And then if we want to do a, like a drop down in depth, I guess, on why we put off these things, it's because doing new stuff is scary and oh, it can yeah. be really vulnerable. And, you know, we're kind of programmed to avoid or we're often programmed to avoid doing the scary, uncomfortable, vulnerable things. Therefore, we make up a lot of excuses that sound like the real reason we're not doing it, but actually is just a way to protect ourselves from the risk of failure or for some people, the risk of success.
1: Oh, yes. Fear of success. That's an interesting one. But before we move on, apart from getting yourself on 100 podcasts, what's on your top five? What are the other four on your top five that you're up to at the moment?
0: The rest of mine has been done. So you're one of the first people to see this as we're recording, but it'll be out by the time people are listening. This is my fourth book. That you has heard been it my... here
1: first. That's exactly. what I'm
0: saying. That's been what I've been working on. It feels like for the last year, it's been really present. So it's been finishing a project which has been, you know, I've had aims and goals for years to finish this in several years. And this is the one where I'm actually doing it.
1: So I said we wanted to talk about fear of success. Did you suffer from that? And I suppose, what do we mean when we say fear of success? How does that show up?
0: So one of the things that I think about is a book called The Big Leap by an American psychotherapist, author called Gay Hendricks. And in that, he has this idea of the upper limit problem. And the upper limit problem is a way that, you know, he he thinks, and because he's a psychotherapist, he's done that deep work. He thinks this is a, a psychological thing that is in most, if not all of us, whereby we have an internal rule, which is there's a certain amount of happy that I'm allowed to be. Something like that, right? There's an upper limit to it. And there are various upper limit problems that people can have. You know, he says there's four common themes, and it was funny when I was reading this book. I was read, I read them. You know, I read the first one. I was like, no, I don't think that's me. I read the second one. Don't think. Third one. I? I was like, maybe I'm the special one. Maybe I actually don't have an upper limit problem. <laughs> and then I read the fourth one, and it was like, oh yeah, that is like, you know, it hits me right in the heart. That's exactly it. So I definitely do have it. I guess that's why I'm saying this story. That, you know, you were kind of asking that. And the fourth one in the book is something like, um, you know, I don't believe it's okay to outshine others. So that's the story that I have in my life, right, which is a version of fear of success. I see it with clients as well. Sometimes it's a kind of like, I don't have enough clients for my business and I never will. And then you'll have the same person getting super stressed out, like five, 10 minutes later about what if I get too many clients that I'm overwhelmed and stressed? And it's like, you could just see the flip there, which is absolutely an upper limit problem. And I'm not going to be able to recreate it, but there's that, um, beautiful quote by Marianne Williamson, which is something like, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure.
1: Yes. So if we're now going, right, we're going to be in our power. We need to stop delaying, finally take that leap. How did you get to there? And I guess that goes to 12-minute method which i mentioned at the very beginning of the introduction tell us about that and i know there's a train journey involved in the origin of this and you know we love an origin story of <laughs> the octopus of enterprise so tell us more
0: yeah yeah and, and i mean it is really in what you said it is in stopping focusing on all the things we've just been talking about and coming back to the small repeatable practice Now that's what i would say about it now that's not what i would have said at the time so we're talking yeah the origin story we're talking i'm sitting with my coach joel in um summer 2016 and basically every time i came to share something um whether it was like the first time i told people i was starting my business on facebook or pressing publish on the new website or whatever it was it was like an agonizing process lots of thinking huge amounts of editing like edit re-edit rewrite delete rewrite delete you know probably just delete it and leave it and don't publish anything for a while come back to it um finger hovering over the post button with a kind of like feelings of tension and anxiety in me i can kind of remember it now i've got a kind of tension in my throat even just remembering <laughs> i've
1: it. got a pit of the stomach feeling because uh, this is really uh, chiming uh, with me too and i'm sure it will with loads of people when they begin their businesses
0: exactly Like I say, there's a level on which it makes total sense because we're doing something scary, we're doing something vulnerable, we're doing something that needs courage and all those things feel like it's the pit of the stomach and the back of the throat and all that kind of thing. But I wanted to do some work with that because that didn't feel sustainable to have every time I needed to launch something new in my business feeling like that. And also, I just didn't want it to be like that, right? Wouldn't it be nicer if it wasn't always <laughs> like that? You know, it really doesn't need to have a business, um, <laughs> a business outcome to it. It's just like, wouldn't life be a bit better if I could share things, share bits of myself, share things i would made online without feeling like that? So Joel and I, in our work, we had been playing with different ways to do this. And then he used to be a painter in his previous life, a, a mm-hmm. visual artist. And he said, when I painted, I used to like creating series of paintings. What if you created a series of articles? And we'd already played with this train journey I had. I was living in London, Southwest London in Battersea and getting the train into Waterloo. And it was like a time that felt kind of free. So the experiment that Joel and I designed was either on the way in or the way home, I would write an article on the train and the game was gonna be write while the train is moving, stop when it stops, proofread that once and then post it online.
1: (gasps) Oh, see, uh, in hearing that story, I'm already feeling slightly scared.
0: There are some ways that we made it a bit less scary. I chose to post it on LinkedIn and there was a footer on all the articles which said, this article is part of a short series written on the train, proofread once and posted online. And Uh so for all my fears were, I'll get laughed at, people will tell me I'm wrong, people will tell me my writing is truly terrible, Robbie. What are you doing here writing an article? Who are you to do this? That's my fears. But even I know if it was written on the train and only proofread once, like no one can have a problem with that. So I did it. And the way I think about it now is it wasn't fun and it wasn't nice, but there was a kind of way in which I knew it was good or the right thing to do or useful. Most importantly for me internally, no one laughed, right? No one said, who do you think you are writing a blog or whatever it was that I was really worried would happen, which kind of sounds semi-ridiculous now, but were the kind of worries and fears I had. Having
1: said that, Robbie, yesterday I was doing a pitching workshop and talking about glossophobia, fear of public speaking. And apparently in a list of fears, it comes above spiders, heights and death. So, you know, the old reptilian brain stuff kicks in, doesn't it? We don't want to be excluded from the group. We don't want to be laughed at. We don't want to be like eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, basically. So it's not particularly helpful in the modern world, but we all have that. We want to be accepted. So moving from that 12 minutes on the train to your 12-minute method, that's when it was born. And for those who aren't aware, the sequence or the steps included in that method are start, keep going create the conditions for great work, share it. And it seems like a really simple formula, but yet we still find it so difficult to actually do. Really true. <laughs> so I thought it would be worthwhile now to spend a bit of time on applying the method. So you've got a great business idea, you want to spend time thinking about taking your next step in business. How do you apply it?
0: There's probably two ways to think about this. So there's a very basic way In which the 12 minute method is just set aside a small amount of time every week, small enough that you will be able to make that amount of time almost no matter what is happening in your week. And then your practice first is just to use that time for the thing you haven't been doing doesn't matter what happens in the time, right? We have to detach from the outcomes and just focus on the practice. It could simply be what's the smallest amount of time that would be enough that you could work on your thing, whatever the thing is, starting your business to change in your business, the scaling up of your business, whatever it might be. What's the just enough amount of time that you could do every week to work on that? And it's probably much smaller than you think. Like if you're saying it's a day, that's too much. Yeah. Right. If you're saying it's an hour, that's okay. As long as you're sure that you can do it. So at first, more important than what you achieve is that you set the habit that you're actually going to do, because it's much better to actually do 12 minutes a week than to try and do an hour a week and then none after that, right? So like when I was doing the second book, I thought a lot about the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. <laughs> if you can operate at hair speed for the whole year, like definitely do it, like being at the hair speed for all year or for the next six years, is much better than being at tortoise speed for six years, if speed is your important thing. But if you can't operate at hair speed, in the end, the tortoise will overtake you. And you know I think that in business, the hare gets a lot of credit, kind of hustle, and the tortoise doesn't get much. And yet there are businesses that outperform their competitors because they are still there.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and what they're doing is perhaps thinking about how they innovate, thinking about their customers. But the thing that I want to pick up on actually is the habitual thing. And I remember when I was trying to get back into exercising regularly, and it happened during lockdown, that it was BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits, that got me. And that was the simplest thing. I may have mentioned this before. His thing is attaching it to something that that you're already doing and it being the tiniest, tiniest thing. And so for me, that was just when I went up or downstairs. I used to do like some steps up, steps down. So that's the beginning of some more movement in life. When I bowled the kettle, I did a few mindful breaths. When I closed down my computer at the end of the day, I had my trainers next to me and I put them on and that meant I was far more likely to go out and walk the dog. But there was no intention to like, I will walk the dog every day of the week. I will do however many step ups on the stairs. I will always meditate for five minutes. It was just the tiniest, tiniest little thing. Before we come to the end of the episode, I just wanted to say quickly that, you know, what I have noticed when you've been talking, Robbie, is that there are other people who have helped you along the way as well. And I think that's one really important thing to say. You are not alone. There are always people who can help you and asking for help and support along the way is not a problem it's actually a really great thing to do and when it comes to business those businesses that actually get support are more likely to keep going and to continue and all of that you know we have a business community at the deck in nottingham that i always go on about and always will that for those who don't know about it dryden enterprise center is the place to come and get business support so do check out our website for all of our services or get in touch But sadly, Robbie, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about your 12-minute method. And I suppose all that's left to say is that we're at the beginning of 2023. And if you're listening to today's episode and have an amazing, innovative, incredibly strategic idea that you want to turn into a business, this is the year to do it. Don't delay any longer. Take the leap and maybe use Robbie's 12-minute method to help you. But like I said, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you again, Robbie, and thank you for listening. I'm Diana passick and you've been listening to The Octopus of Enterprise. Bye. <music>